Hello and welcome to Next. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. If you get an opportunity, like our page on Facebook. Join us on Twitter at 814 Next. Lend your voice to the dialogue. The pandemic had an adverse effect, to put it mildly. Frederick Douglass said, where there's no struggle, there's no progress. And sometimes, amidst the struggle of any given situation, people find their footing. Sometimes a new idea is born. Sometimes a new identity is born. And the silver lining, if there is such a thing with the pandemic, is that a lot of people found themselves through the pandemic. A lot of people found some of their truest callings, some of their best ideas. A lot of people were empowered and emboldened to jump into some of these new ideas when otherwise many of them would not have. And as I look at the landscape across the country with the economy, I look locally and one such story has come to mind here. God's name is Ben Primus and Ben has a business that in many ways was materialized, not necessarily the concept, but materialized through the struggle of the pandemic. And today we go one-on-one with Ben Primus because we want to unpack his story, talk about his journey up to this moment, and then talk about the actual product that he is finding a great deal of success with right here in Erie, Pennsylvania, but it's mushrooming and growing into other communities. And so with that, I say, Ben Primus, welcome to our show today. Thank you, Marcus. Glad to be here. All right. Absolutely. And so, Ben, let's start with your personal journey. You are not originally from Erie. No. Where are you from originally? I'm from Wellsburg, West Virginia. Wellsburg, uh, West Virginia. Graduated from high school in 1979. I'll, I'll be 63 years old next month, okay. November 19th. So it what, started back in the woods in West Virginia. What was life like there? It Population, demographics, what is that like there? Man, you know, and because we're going to be touching on black economic development, my goodness, uh, there was a very, very small black population. It was so small in Wellsburg, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I, at one point, I was related to every black person in the town. Mm-hmm. And so I'd been raised uh, around white people my entire life uh, and just had so much fun as a child. Back in them days, colors really didn't seem to matter. We were just kids having fun. Uh, but Wellsburg is a very, very late back town and we were very blessed there were no drugs in the streets there was no violence with guns it was just like a a little mayberry rfd town right right (laughs) well thank you for sharing that because for those of us who are unfamiliar on a personal level with west virginia we would assume the opposite where colors concerned but you had you had a good experience growing up there yes absolutely absolutely man and so from west virginia to erie what is that journey like how did you find yourself here from a small town like that. Well, it started with drug addiction, just like so many other people. Got it, got it. Eventually, I made it to prison. And uh, at one point in prison, uh, they said, you are going to a halfway house in Erie, Pennsylvania right. on April 8th, 2008. And that's where it all started. I came to Erie not knowing one soul. I wore a pair of jeans, the same pair of jeans, for three months uh, until I built myself up. So... Um, I didn't understand it at first, Marcus, but I believe that um, part of my journey is definitely part of my calling was to come through Erie PA to get this thing going. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, which I wasn't 100 percent aware of, this is a story of redemption in some ways. Oh, man. Right. A lot of people don't believe in me. A lot of people gave up on me. You know, there's there's many addicts um, who have died. There are many addicts who are out in the streets suffering as Mm -hmm. we speak. And many of those addicts have lost the trust and and the love of so many people because where addiction takes you. Well, I'm that story. But I'm the guy also who just doesn't lay down and let life walk on him. Right. I'm the guy that gets 
back up on my feet. That's how I was raised in West Virginia. And just don't quit. No matter what, just right. don't quit. Right. That's my mentality. Uh, so let's stay right here with the, with the don't quit mentality because obviously recidivism is a hot topic across this country. It's almost become a buzzword. But the revolving door of incarceration, yeah. a lot of people find themselves here or not just here, but on, back into the community after paying their debt to society. And here there are individuals that come to mind, like one of our favorites, Mike Hooks, you know, who spent time incarcerated and just has done a phenomenal job reinventing himself afterwards or tapping into his greatest self after the fact. With this don't quit mentality that you're referring to, when did that kick in? At one point during the incarceration, during the halfway house, at what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to turn all of this into a positive yeah. and do something with this. When did that kick in? Talk to us about that part. I, I ended up like an SCI monitor. When I came in 08, um, I was at a halfway house on 2nd Street downtown here in Erie, PA, and my brother was killed in a motorcycle crash. A 93-year-old woman, left-hand turn from a right-hand lane, closed casket, no helmet. Um, my mother would eventually be gone a few years after that. Very, very devastating. So um, that really um, turned my, my, my senses around because um, I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I, I was just tired of being the guy who was always screwing up. I really wanted to get my life together yeah. so bad. Still didn't know how. You know, my entire life, I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know how to do the right thing. I, I come from an abusive um, background. And so uh, for many years, I was an angry child and didn't know why. Uh, and then when I became an adult, I was still an angry an adult and didn't, and know, didn't why. know why. Right. And so then I found myself in jail. And as you talk about recidivism, recidivism or whatever the word is. It's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the revolving door of incarceration. Now I, I was a part of that. And there's this one day, man, I was tired. I was in SCI Albion, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't no longer. I'm 63, y'all. I know how to do time. I've done a lot of jail time in my past, but I couldn't do time no more. Mm -hmm. I couldn't relate to what was coming out of the mouths of the right. kids, and they were arguing over Tupac's shoes being green and blue, and I didn't even care. Right. Like, I just wanted to get my life together. I finally, finally, and but it was at a point where um, action had to speak louder than words because I was full of crap most of my life, saying mm -hmm. the same stuff. So now I'm out here really doing this thing, Marcus. I'm right. out here showing action, showing change, and that's who I am and what I'm about right now. This is beautiful. I have a relative that is currently incarcerated, and they're younger. And, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring this relative from behind bars. And when I go see them, one of the things that concerns is always, you know, when I get out of here, because they'll still be young. Nobody will want to hire me. I said, yeah. you know what? And and if I may, your name will be now one of the people that I speak about. Yeah. I said, there are so many people who reinvent themselves and they come out and they create their own destinies in many ways. Yep. So I don't want that to be your focal point. Yep. If you want to do a nine to five, that's great. But that is not your only option. And this is not the totality of your story. And so give us a little bit of insight. For, for many people that don't know, when you're in this halfway house, are they speaking into that side of you or is it just like a hold pattern? Is their only is their only job just to kind of hold you there until you get out? Or were there positive influences there yeah. that lent themselves to this? Well, what the problem is, Marcus, is uh, you have many prisoners who come out of jail um, who have not changed. And it's sad. 
And it's sad that half reality. the house's job is just to give you half of your life back. Right. You have to earn the other half back. I like you that. Got, you know, you have to do what parole says. You have to do anything that you're stipulated to do by the state mm-hmm. um, because they want you to become a, a productive member of society. Well, the problem is halfway house, probably half of the inmates aren't even halfway there mentally because they're still in the streets and still yeah. want to do the things and try to figure out the manipulate the way that they got them back in jail that will get them back possible. Right. So now that, that's what the issue is right now. Man. Yeah. So as we move forward, just on this one last segment, and I appreciate you sharing. I sincerely do, because I think that we all grow when people share their stories and not just incarcerated stories, life stories. I've got my own that I've shared some on this this show and some on others. Is there a desire for you, because your story has immense value, is there a desire for you to use your journey in service of others, especially uh, younger generations? Oh, man, we want to get back. You know, I took back so long in my drug addiction in the streets for many, many years. And it wasn't in Erie, Pennsylvania. It was in West Virginia. But I used to lay in my jail cell and just dream about one day giving back. Oh, my goodness. You know, I cannot wait. Uh, One thing I really plan on doing is starting a program and going into the schools and talking with the children, uh, with the school board behind me, with the police department behind me, because I believe my personal experiences from the past. I believe that I can put a program together with a couple other ex-inmates who have got their lives together. We would be the perfect individuals to speak to the children about right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't know what's going on in the minds of kids right now. Our generation is shot completely out. I remember being one of those kids, Marcus, when nobody would come and talk to me. Yeah. Now I know exactly what I need to sit down and say to a youngster who may be stuck, who may be being abused at home, who may be um, having just problems, struggling, period, with something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where we come in. We was once there, you know, and we took the wrong road and went to jail. So we really feel that we could sit down and say things to children right now that really could help them avoid a lot of hell. Right. A lot of hell. And so that's the pro- a program I'm looking at. It's long term. I'm just so focused with my company right now, chewing bubble gum and walking at the same time. Right. Trust me, for a 60 year old brain is it's a, it's a Judge Judy's word. I love it. A kerfuffle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so let's go to the pre-Ben's Barrels okay. days. So you get out of the halfway house. You start making your way to the moment that we will discuss here shortly that you gave birth to this vision. What was your life like as you get out of this halfway house and you start rebuilding your life? Yeah, it, it, I dealt with a lot of rejection in Erie, a lot, a lot of rejection just based off of having a criminal history, having a past. Um, and, you know, for the longest, Marcus, I ignored it. You know, I'd get these temp service jobs, and eventually they wouldn't pan out um, after a year or two just because of my past. Some, it seemed like my past was always an issue, right. and it all it is to this day. And so after so much rejection, uh, man, uh, my last job, I can't say the employer, but I knew that I would never, ever work. I told them the day they got rid of me like two years ago, I said, I'll never work for nobody ever again. And, oh, I meant it. I meant it. I, I was just done with being judged critically by people. Yeah. I've been judged critically from the time I've been a child. You either you, you say something nice about me, he's a great artist, or you go to my criminal history and talk about him being a bad person. Mm-hmm. There's no in-between with me. So um, I just really feel like right now um, the struggles that I've gone through in Erie and the rejection that I've dealt with has gave me an energy. Many of you people hear me now that are out there in the world dealing with rejection of people and feeling pain. 
learn to turn that pain into energy. That's what I did. Energy to win. Because so many people are walking around angry. And it is a terrible feeling to have angry all inside of your spirit. But when you can twist it and turn it around into fuel to win, mm-hmm. ooh, it's it's powerful. You become a big-time pawn on a chessboard, I'm right, telling you, man. Right, 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 right. And so in this article from uh, Erie News Now, they talked about you and your wife, Deborah, right. launching this together. Yes. And so you've got a partner in this journey yes. now, right? Yes. Talk about how that came to be as we move towards your Ben's Barrel story. Oh, that is so, so, so funny. We just needed a burn barrel, man. We just needed a burn barrel. We had a double lot home, a nice driveway, uh, a double story home with a full basement. It was just me, her, and a cat. But uh, she got tired of shredding personal information. And I used to watch her, too. You know, if your envelope has your name and address on it, she, that wasn't good with her. Right. So I said, well, let's go get a burn barrel. So she takes me out Penn State Baron uh, in, in the back way air. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and um, a person sells us a burn barrel for $10. And on the way home, I look at her and she said, what's wrong? And I said, I can sell this for 20 And that's what we did. And then we went back and forth and I sold, I doubled the money and she looked at me and this is how it happened. Just out of the blues, Marcus in the yard, she just looked at me and said, Ben's barrels. (laughs) I get tickled right now. I get really tickled. So I just took a brush. Being an artist, a professional artist, accomplished artist, I still just took a regular brush and just just swashed uh, burn barrels on a piece of wood and posted it on a pole right in our yard. And eventually uh, I would make it the word Ben's barrels and the company colors and everything. Everything just fell together. And here we are. Here we are on the verge of something very exciting. Let's back up and address the word artist because that came up a couple of times in your conversation. Give us your art journey. Okay. Right? And so when did you start getting involved with art? What mediums are you um, are you best? Are you best? Um, you know, accustomed to talk to us about your artist side. It's uh, it's been a blessing. It's always been my escape from the time I was a child. Um, I've always been gifted to be an exceptional artist, and um, I've done like uh, art on like a really high level, like uh, for a few big people. But I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh twice. Um, 94, 95, 97, and 98. Uh, majored in color theory. Uh, when they did release me here in Erie at the Halfway House, I ended up teaching art um, at numerous um, senior citizen facilities. Uh, the first one was at 406 uh, Peach, um, right downtown there by Gann, and that was my first spot. And I met a, a wonderful woman named um, uh, Ganna, and uh, she was the director of the Arts Festival. And man, did she hook me up. She introduced me to the art community. And before you know it, I'm teaching art at the Senior Sunrise Center on the Bayfront, uh, Grandview Manor, the old orphanage, GCAC downtown, St. Joe's, the, uh, I said the old orphanage, um, JFK, um, just a numerous amount of facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I end up being blessed. I enter my work in the uh, 08 Erie Summer Arts Festival, and I become the first black chalk artist at Liberty Park. Oh, nice. And I become the first black artist winner for the Erie Summer Arts Festival. I may be the only one that's ever uh, been an award winner, but then things even get better. And I enter my work at the Barber National Institute, uh, and I end up becoming a 2018 Barber National Institute People's um, Choice Award winner. And the next thing you know, uh, my artwork's at the Erie Zoo. It's down at the Belasco Library on display. And uh, just, um, I don't know, man. 
Art is my thing, and I just never dreamed that I would be putting it on a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool part, man. Right. So what's your favorite subject? Some people like landscapes. Some people like animals. Yeah. Norman Rockwell is known for yeah. his his imagery of Americana, if you yeah. will. What are your favorite subjects? I love graphite. I have the ability and the skill set. I could draw you and the studio here in this room with pencil, with a humble heart, I'm telling uh, the audience, and make it look better than a photograph. Wow. I just have that photo identity um, skill set uh, to where um, I can make an eyeball really like like you think that it's a real eyeball. Wow. Yeah, God is good. You're listening to Next with uh, WQLN with Marcus Atkinson. We're here in studio with ben, ben Primus of Ben's Barrels. And Ben is talking about his journey to him starting this company, Ben's Barrels. And Ben has given us his background in West Virginia. He's walked us through to this very moment. And now we start to talk about the pandemic because I opened the show with how the pandemic has affected people in this country in various ways. And I was reading in this article again from Erie News Now, came out on April 26, 2021 uh, by Haley Potter. And it talked about this moment during the pandemic when you started to make a move to make this happen. So you've already mentioned how your wife looked at the barrel and said, Ben's Barrels. Yeah. Right? So she gave you a name. Give us your, first of all, what was your reaction to the pandemic? Because I was in disbelief yeah. that the country actually shut, shut down. down. My yeah. wife predicts she's a teacher. And she said, a teacher told me at school, one of my colleagues told me at school, that he could foresee us shutting the school down. And I said, I absolutely, I can't envision that. All of society shutting yeah. down over this thing. And it did. Yeah. How did you take the pandemic? The pandemic was really rough. Uh, my wife had 38 years as a, uh, working with special needs children. And um, she ended up losing her job because of the pandemic. And I was working, like I had said, and I was telemarketing at the time. And I'd lost a the job there, uh, as well as my credit score. Uh, nobody would probably mention their credit score live on uh, the news, <laughs> but uh, my credit score, I was proud, man. I was near 800. It was like 760-something. And overnight, it went, it dropped, Marcus, to 600-something. Wow. It, it, oh, it was devastating because I was on my second brand-new car. It was a dream. I got a brand-new car. I couldn't believe it. And then when my credit score dropped because of the pandemic, um, God blessed me, and I ended up with this dream. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I drew my grill. And it's been an excitement that has never, never failed. Like, it's an excitement inside of my spirit that is constantly growing. This, this The pandemic, I don't even know if, if it had not been for the pandemic, if I wouldn't even have drew the grill. I just knew there was a lot of feelings and emotions underneath of it. And so the pandemic really, really uh, was hard because we watched – a couple family members pass away. We watched quite a few friends pass away. And like you were saying earlier in this seg this part of the segment, I could not imagine a country shutting down. It was like weird. Right. It was like really weird. Like right. how 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 how's how's that happen? How do we are we I could I could never forget I, I met uh, a woman uh, uh, at Grove City and I'll never forget this and she gave me a part time job. Uh, talking telemarketing in my house back in Erie. Mm. Um, and I'll never forget this, driving on 79 South. The whole drive, it was just me. Mm. There was nobody on It was like something from right. The Walking Dead. I was the only person on the highway, man, for like almost two hours of driving, maybe yeah. one or two cars at the most. And so 
pandemic was very, very, very weird. Yeah, it was crazy. And it w- I would go to Walmart just to see people, man. Walmart was like a house party when it first went down. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with shopping. You go to, I would take a cup of coffee and just stroll around Walmart for a couple right. of hours just to be around people right. because everything was shut down. And so, first of all, that so you and your wife are in this together. Talk about her role a little bit as we go through the nuts okay. and bolts of the business. Okay. She is like uh, the backbone. She's uh, they usually are. She's she's amazing Mm -hmm. because like it's really weird. Uh, My skill set is completely opposite of hers. We are like peanut butter and jelly. Uh I'm the guy that can draw anything, put things together, don't read directions, put things together and have another bolt laying on the side that should be in in the instructions. (laughs) She's the individual that reads the packet. She's the one that's very computer literate. She's the individual. I'm not computer literate. Mm -hmm. What I'm not good at, she's good at. And she's just um she's a good wife she's a great supporter she's a best friend she's like she's my number one partner she got my back more than anybody in the world right there and because she believes in me she believes in what we're doing you know and so like we're really leveled on the same page right now like we understand what we want right now and it's on a level that no most people can't understand right now right we gave up our new car we gave up our comfort zone for our dream we drive around a Chevy box truck, 3500 and bad as gas prices are right now, mm-hmm. that's our for, our source of transportation. A dual truck, dual tires in the back. Uh, we take we ride it around town like it's a Volkswagen. We just know that Jesus has been so good to us with gas, you know. But uh, we gave up a lot. We gave up our comfort zone. Uh, we're willing to be uncomfortable. Now, I mentioned to the viewers that we were in a double lot home, uh, a nice driveway, full basement. Now we're in a two-room apartment that's on the same street as our warehouse. But I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I believe in what we're doing and I can see what's on the other side. See, Ben, you are hitting on something that I am a firm believer in, and it is my biggest frustration when I hear people talk about, from an envious perspective, Oh, that person, they, they've got it all. They see whether it's your business idea succeeding or maybe you've purchased something special for yourself and your family. And all people ever look at in this country is the end result. Yeah. Nobody wants to make, and I, I can't speak in hyperbole, but so many people don't want to make the sacrifices. Yep. You talk yep. about the things that you gave up. Yeah. Everybody wants the thing. Without the sacrifice. Yeah. I'll say this before I move on to your point. T.D. Jake said something that I, I live by to this very day. He said one can argue the cost and the price of olive oil all they want. Yeah. But unless you go behind the warehouse and interview that crushed yeah. olive, yeah. you'll never know exactly how much it costs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The retail is irrelevant. The price paid yeah. is the true value. Yes. So good for you and yours. That first sale. The first time that somebody said, yeah, give me one of these barrels yeah, and I'll pay whatever your cost is. What did that feel like? Walk us through that one. I just like uh, shook my head. We had a customer come and buy our first grill and uh, it was a lady, a woman that lives all the way out there on Browns or Pine Avenue. And uh, she fell in love with it. She fell in love. She's like my top customer. But when she, when she bought the grill, uh, what went through us was... Um, the future, like like we seen it, we knew it ahead of time. Like yeah. when this dream it came, and I was literally stacking this first project, this first grill together. We had the Lord had told us ahead of time what to expect, and so when we had that first sale, man, I saw the world. 
I literally, I saw the world when I invented the cooking grill itself. My vision cleared. The blurriness, the blurred vision I'd had most of my life began to clear when my company began to grow. And when we began to sell, especially the first one, man, you cannot put words to creating something um, and touching other people that makes them smile, yeah. makes children jump up and down. And, you know, I mean, some, you're, you're blessed with your skill set to create something to excite somebody else. That's mm-hmm. a blessing. And I've had that my whole life. So I want to help the viewer and the listener visualize this because they're pitching, they're picturing a burning barrel if they've never seen one of your grills. Break down the components of the grill so that the listener and the viewer can kind of get a feel for how this thing flows. Okay. Well, you think of this, listeners. Uh, Think we're in a generation right now where kids, adults, are wearing their hair different colors. Come on. You have to admit it, world. We didn't expect that green hair would be okay. (laughs) We didn't. didn't, And purples and pinks. (laughs) We didn't expect that in our generation. At all. So I think one of the greatest revelations that came out of this for the grill is different colors, heat-resistant paint. Now that's you don't you don't see that on cooking grills. Right. Uh, what you see is the standard black, red, and stainless. Those are your three basic colors that you would see if you go to Home Depot's, Lowe's, or any of the big stores. Um, well, what Ben's Barrels? Why we make cooking cool? And it's something John Eagle fell in love with with our product is the the ability to customize an order. So it starts out a fifty five gallon barrel drum. It is just a, a regular 55-gallon barrel drum, and I must let you know that they are USDA food-grade approved barrels. Uh, we're getting these from a company that, uh, um, trust me, they're a company that does nothing with them but food business. Okay. Okay? And so regardless, I still give them 500,000 BTUs. They get torched. Um, they get every component and element burned off of them so that when it's just a metal drum sitting there, it becomes all of mine. All the properties and, and whatever uh, was into that barrel has been burned out. And then we have different cut designs, different cut patterns that I've envisioned that I've created templates for. So you just picture a 55-gallon barrel drum standing upright, uh, and you cut a design out of it, sand down some edges, uh, put some great uh, Rust-Oleum paint, uh, heat-resistant paint on it, and then you begin to have fun. You drill holes. You begin to customize color. Mm. Uh, you put handles, wheels. It, it's so cool to watch this thing come together. Yeah. Honest to goodness, what are, the, what are the cooking compartments, and how do you clean this thing? Because when I think about a grill standing upright, yeah. first thing that comes to mind is, okay, I've, I've cleaned out the bottom of my grill at home yeah. on many a night. How do you clean this yeah. thing? So give us the different compartments, the, the is, most common ones. Sure. This is a, a, a really uh, an aerodynamic type of invention. Um, we are connected right to a fabricator, uh, right there with the warehouse. And so on what charcoal sits on on your normal grills out in the, the grilling world, well, for me, uh, I've got our fabricators to cut a 14-gauge, 22-inch round plate with laser holes cut inside these plates. Now, you picture at the top of the barrel nearly, Uh, A charcoal plate is sitting there. Charcoal's going over top of that, but then there's the grill rack over top of it. Got it. So you're going to cook food from uh, the heat that's being resonated from the charcoal plate under it. And you were mentioning about cleaning. Well, we designed an aerodynamic system, hose-off system. Uh, Part of the reason for the holes that are laser cut not only does uh, smoke rise, uh, uh, smoker-flavored smoke rise through these holes, 
water drains down in them also right. so that you can stand there and you can literally hose the unit off. And I've designed it so that through each compartment, the water drops all the way down and literally drains from out underneath the barrel. And the barrel's set up on wheels. So you're literally watching water come out from the bottom of the barrel and it's ready for reuse. That's simple. Right. That's simple. You might want to spray a little degreaser on it, but I'm telling you, it's a quick hose off and rinse and ready for reuse. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear that. From other grillers. Yeah. You just don't hear that, man. Are there standard compartments or can people say, I want this compartment, that compartment, or is it like this This comes with these different departments and yeah. that's pretty much that? How does that work? I, I think one of the greatest things about Ben's Barrels is giving the community and giving the world the opportunity to customize what you want. Uh, some customers don't want handles and wheels. They just want a regular flat 55-gallon barrel drum that will just cook them a burger. And then some customers will want a smoker wood chamber, and they may even ask me, uh, they may even direct me where they want it to be. Uh, so sometimes at, 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 at any given time, I will bend for a customer to customize. But our standard, like you were using that word, is the very bottom of the barrel, there's a door. Smoker wood lays in that, and you shut that door, and it's ignited. But as the smoke rises yeah. in the middle door, there is an opportunity not only to hang meat, but you can also lay it on a grill rack Got there it. as well. Smoke and it. then shut a door there. And there's two gauges on both of these doors to give you an idea of what your heat temperature and your heat control is. And then and then when you uh, go up to the third level, which is the top of the barrel, that's a whole other area where people are just already frying burgers, frying steaks, while your smoker wooding underneath. Uh, and then uh, you take the lid and you just set it down on top of the entire unit and the whole thing just permeates. So this thing takes off. And I was very impressed with some of the businesses that are now offering your barrels. And perhaps this list has changed from, from then because this was a couple of years ago. Lowe's. Right. Home Depot. Yes. True Value Hardware. Yes. Krause Department Stores. Yes. How did these people find out about Ben's Barrels? Yeah, I tell you what, it was an honor to have our debut in Krause's. Krause's is like Erie's, let alone the artist, or oldest hardware store. I think they're the oldest store, period, in Erie. 100 years plus, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the Krause's, if you guys are hearing, you know I love you. We have a lot of fun. Uh, we really do. I go down there, and they're just really, really, really good people. But they were nice enough to let me debut uh, my grill in their store. And so um, that's where it all started. Uh, I walked in there one day, and I told him what I had, and they said, well, maybe we can bring it in. And and, I, and and you know what's amazing, Marcus? This product is so strong, I've never been told no by anyone, any merchant. Everybody really wants to have my grill sitting in front of their store. It's just a matter of me. I'm still building inventory, and once my inventory is where I know it's going to be, my grills will be everywhere. Hear me now, world. <laughs> they are going to be yeah. everywhere. And that's how, and that's a goal of yours yes. to make sure that you spread to these different locations. It pointed out in this article that, and I love this, that you had your barrels actually sold to a pro baseball player. It was a baseball player here? Amazing number forty-two, uh, Aaron Fletcher, there pitcher it is. for the uh, Seattle Mariners. There you go. How did that happen? It's amazing. I just so happened to go to school with his dad. I didn't know. I hadn't seen his dad yeah. in a long time, man. Out of the blues, he just messaged me and he said, look, he said, my son's pitching for the Mariners and I would just love to do a surprise grill for him. And so uh, that's turned out amazingly. Just uh, another happy customer. Um, it looks as though we're going to be making some grills for a few big shots. Uh, 
Um, I, I can only tell you that now. I can't really disclose no sure. names. I can only tell you that we will be at Steeler, um, Buffalo Bill, and Cleveland Brown tailgate. And our truck, when we open up the back of it, it will be some of the coolest grills you've ever seen. So before we close out the segment on the, the grills themselves, and I know you touched on this, but I just want to be specific. And so when people come to you, I don't care if it's their favorite team, their youth athletic team. You can put whatever logo, whatever business, whatever thing on these barrels for people, correct? Absolutely. Uh, uh, Actually, um, there is a major, major employer in the city of Erie right now. Um, I was at his office. I spoke with the franchise owner. Very, very, very nice guy. I can't mention his name right now, but we're doing a customized grill he wants uh, for his company. He also wants a uh, New Orleans Saint grill. And um, I will have an advertisement signed for a year right here in, in the heart of Erie. A Ben's Barrel sign uh, will be up downtown. It's, Good for uh, you. Yeah. And so we're really, really looking forward to it. I spoke with him earlier on the phone before this interview. Uh, we're putting that map in motion. So uh, this is awesome, man. Oh, um, yeah. This is my first corporate yeah. sign that's going to be downtown. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. You're listening to Next on WQLNI. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson, here live in studio with Ben Primus from Ben's Barrels. Ben has been talking to us about his journey uh, from West Virginia to Erie and then talking about the idea and concept of launching the successful business that he has right now, a concept that he took the leap for during the pandemic and has not looked back since. And so, Ben, you are now succeeding at this goal of making Ben's barrel barrels a success. You are a man who is, who has had his own struggles, a man who has made his own sacrifices. I know right now, not just in the city of Erie, but throughout the country, there's an emphasis on business owners from marginalized communities, African-American, Latinx, new American, Mm -hmm. LGBTQIA, the list goes on. And rightfully so you want to see these businesses flourish. And for many, many years, uh, many folks feel like they have been left out of the opportunities presented to the mainstream community. This is where your story um, also gets a little fascinating and not the best of ways, because as a black business owner in Erie, you want to see that support that uh, a person of color should see from other people of color. It hasn't been the case for you. Not at all. Speak to that a little bit. It's, uh, you know, like I had mentioned earlier in the, in the show, like, you know, dealt with a lot of rejection. And that's what I turned into Fuel to Win. And a lot of that rejection is came from the black community. Um, it's just, uh, it's actually mind-boggling. Um, I know there are black community leaders right now who have heard of Ben's Barrels. Nobody can't say they haven't heard my trucks all over the city. And I'm just appalled. You know, I don't put expectations because nobody owes me nothing. I'm a 63-year-old man. I truly understand that. But when you put yourself in a, a, a city official position... Um, we expect something from you. We vote you in. We expect you to step up to the level of being a community leader, regardless of an individual's past, regardless of their issues, regardless of their color, regardless of whatever you think negative or whatever about this, the, the individual. It's very, 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 very unfair to um, not even give you a chance. Now, here I am sitting with a warehouse right up there next to the, the 11 beaches in Waldemere Park. 
uh, a great place, great location, sitting here with a corporate sign right now. As we sit here, my corporate sign, my lead sign is letting the community know all about what I have. But at the same time, it just amazes me that I've never got one call uh, from one black community leader to say, hey, uh, we're proud of you. Hey, we believe in you. Like, I'm not asking nobody for money. I mean, we need it. We're not asking for support. Oh, I just need to know as if, like, do you believe in me? I just need to know that somebody believes in me, and I have not had that, Marcus. Mm-hmm. All I've had is rejection, rejection and a lot of negative energy from people who refuse to see me try to get my life together. It has been one of the most painful things in the world. Uh, it's, it, it fuels me. It, it angers me to win. You know, it angers me to do the right, right. thing. You turn that into to, energy. Yeah, to do the right thing. You right. know what I'm saying? So um, I just, um, for the life of God, I just don't understand uh, why, like, I haven't got a call. There's a few black community leaders. I know them personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I know them personally. When I was in Albion, I was in the visiting room with one. And now he's a, a big-time community leader downtown, and he was just there visiting his son uh, with his wife, you know. And I'm in the visiting room with my wife, you know. And, and I'm out here now, and it's like I don't even exist. Like, and it's not that I expect, like I said, nothing from them. But when you're an elected official, right, man, come on. You got to step up to the plate and give me a call. Like, hey, man, we hear that you're doing a good job. We see black economic development is really pathetic here in Erie, Pennsylvania. We really don't have a lot to brag about. Our foreigners are trying to take over the gas stations, and we're proud of what they're doing. And then the, the, the merchants who run up through State Street, you know, many of them are long timers, and we're proud of what they're doing. But what I'm concerned about is my people, the black community. Right. Like, we don't have no, It's sad. It really is. Absolutely sad, and it just amazes me for a black community leader because I feel like they're putting their foot on my neck because they don't want to see me. I I, yeah. I, I got very confused off of this, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. But it strengthened me. Don't right. get it twisted. It just made me like, I'll show them. I'll and, show them. And you know, and thank you for that. One of the reasons that I wanted to touch on that, and, and we'll continue to dive into that, because I think it has an immense amount of value to the conversation, even with starting this show next. Obviously, the African-American community does not have a monolithic voice. We aren't all saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. When I hear people say some of the things that you're saying, I'm born and raised in Erie, not in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Now, I lived in Atlanta for about 11 years, but I'm born and raised in Erie. And it is so sad. You know, the other month we did a segment on the Eastside Renaissance, an organization that I helped start. And one of the reasons that we did that is for that very reason. Well, why can't we just do this thing ourselves? Why mm-hmm. can't we do things ourselves? Mm-hmm. And for a group of men from this town who are trying to lift up marginalized groups in a different way ourselves, mm-hmm. I can say the same thing that you're saying. Like, well, where's the support at from Ooh, people of color? And not just to verbally support but to give, to help, to introduce, to open doors. And it isn't there the way it should be. Yeah. And in theory, your story, and I'll go back to you, in theory, your story is the story that many of us laud. This brother pulls himself up by the proverbial bootstraps. Mm-hmm. He's been in the system. He's paid his debts to society. He's come out. He's now forging ahead. We will use a narrative like yours mm-hmm. in order to make our point to the, to the system, to the man. But then where are you at with that grassroots support? And so your frustration is palpable. But you say you've turned that into fuel in many ways. Yeah, let, yeah, let me tell you. I just want to touch real quick. Like, um, if I stood outside of your home, even though I don't know where you live, yeah. and I spoke with you about it, I could tell you how beautiful it is on the outside. 
I don't know what's going on on the inside. Amen. I don't know nothing about what's going on on the inside. And that's pretty much the same way with my life. A lot of people want to look at it from the outside, from face value, but they have no idea like what I've been through to right. get where I'm at. And when it comes to black economic support, I feel like the black community is self-sabotaging our own success. We have great talent in our black community. We have children with talents that don't nobody even know nothing about. Right. But when you have children running in schools, black kids shooting other kids, jumping out of windows, shooting other kids, and yeah. you know, I mean, uh, the way the way I look at it, and the reason why I brought up standing on the outside of your house and looking in is because I didn't realize that this world existed that I'm speaking about until I got inside of it. Right. And until you are an, an entrepreneur and deep inside of like what I'm talking about, you'll only know the face value of whatever it is from the outside, just like I would know about your house from saying how beautiful it is. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, being inside as a, 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 a black CEO and a manufacturing CEO with a dream uh, to manufacture cooking grills and to, to be literally inside of that pot and see the world spinning around me versus being on the outside, man, Right. There are some real ugly sights that I didn't even choose to look at. And, yeah. it, and I was like, oh, I was telling my wife, this is why we don't have black uh, community support. This is why we don't have black infrastructure in the city owned by, the, the you know, black uh, uh, CEOs and, and, and leaders and stuff. And it's because uh, blacks are too busy um, tearing down each other's characters and shooting each other in the communities and mm -hmm. self-sabotaging our own success. And let me tell you, the success that we have in this city right now is a force to be reckoned. But absolutely, it's sad because it, there's a foot on it, the foot on the mm -hmm. neck and the black man has got comfortable with that foot on their neck. And let me get let me add a positive to what you're saying. And, and I could echo a lot of those sentiments. And again, thank you for putting it out there. The positive is this. Even though, you know, again, we're from Erie, we've had to my entire career, I've had to assume the posture of, well, I'll just do it myself and find like minded individuals okay. and work with them. You know, you look at you're an artist. I think of people like Caesar Westbrook. Right. Who was a young man who was in the process of of doing his thing in in Erie, Pennsylvania. I look at the rise of of people like Brandon Wiley, young women like Shateria Franklin. I just watched, you know, Davina um, Paisley on social media just had an event of hers, the rise of Black Wall Street. You know, uh, Corey Cook and everything he's doing. You have these pockets of individuals. And now we can add Ben, ben Primus yeah. to the list because age has nothing to do with it. Not at all. It's almost like, and take take um, political ideology out of it. But what I loved about the rise of Barack Obama is that he didn't kiss anybody's ring. And the traditionalists, the Al Sharptons, the Jesse Jacksons, mm -hmm. Jesse was very offended. How dare that young man run for office and he hasn't come to speak to me. They were so used to the quote unquote black community coming through them. Yeah. How dare you make a move on primetime television like this and not come speak to me? me yeah. Enter Erie. Because the one thing I have figured out about Erie after being gone for so many years and coming back and being gone in a city where African-Americans have a lot of strength economically and politically. Yes. Is that you talk about the boot on the neck of the African-American community. Tradition is one of our strengths in Erie. Tradition is one of our weaknesses mm -hmm. in Erie. Because the traditionalists say all roads run through these traditional channels and people like yourself 
and some of the others that I've mentioned are challenging that. And yep. so here's the positive. <laughs> You're right about that. Here's the positive is that even though it burns and it stings, and you should be backing me up on this. You should be opening doors for me. Yep. You should be introducing me to people because I can say the same thing. I could do a whole show by myself on that very same thing. The fact that you and all these people that we're mentioning are doing it with a manner of excellence says that we don't need you to lead us, right? That's right. We need you to advocate, especially we elected That's you. That's right. But we don't need for you to lead us. One, we need you to get out of our way in a lot of ways. Yes. Right? Do no harm. At the very least, do no harm. Brother, don't say anything ill about me. Don't put up barriers. Stay out of the way if you're not going to help. Absolutely. So the fact that you've taken it on, and, and I know I've gotten on my soapbox, but everything you're saying, I just wanted to let the listener know, he ain't lying. It's not fantasizing. Mm -mm. It's the truth. Yep. And when you see people like myself and others making moves on their own, a lot of it is born from that very thing. Yes, oh, tradition. so it's on me. Yeah. It's on me. Tradition. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then when you start doing it, some of the traditionalists will dog you verbally. Yes. Because they didn't help you. They can't take credit for your story. Yes. Speak on that, brother. Well, I, I tell you, that, that's like such a great, strong message right there. Um, I, I don't know, man. I just always have believed um, that from the time I was a child that uh, you follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. that, that was one of the greatest escape mechanisms as a child during abuse and throughout my teenage years was the ability to close my eyes. And just dream about literally what's happening right now. Right. Dreams coming true. And so as far as tradition, ooh, man, uh, you can take that in so many different angles. Uh, um, the tradition of what's going on in Erie right now in black economic development apparently uh, has became a comfort zone uh, for some of our community leaders, white and black. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And it's the sad part about that tradition is there's a foot on the neck of our growth, mm. of our overall growth. Let's just talk about Erie for a minute. We won't talk about in college. general yeah let's just talk about Erie overall right now uh, I know for a fact I know the mayor personally uh, he's came to our house and uh, my wife even worked on his campaign um, so I, I know how much he wants to see Erie really be something even bigger than what it is right now right but the problem is even before that mayor and the mayor before him and and uh, other law enforcement officials before them that's when the foot started that's when the foot on our neck began now they just walked into the system so tradition uh, to some people, ain't even a tradition. It's just a it's a way of life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's sad because it's became a negative way of life for so long that uh, you have to be inside the pot that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a black entrepreneur, actively CEO of a manufacturing company. That's factual. Like nobody can take that away from me. Jesus did that for me. But I'm trying to tell you, people, I'm on the inside of it now, looking out. And let me tell you, this tradition thing you're talking about, it's oh, ooh, it's bad. It, it, I just the lost weight, haven't slept well at times, don't eat well at times, just based off of the sadness I have for our overall community and the rejection that I have dealt with because of my past, mm -hmm. when I could possibly be the key to something bigger in the city I'm that going there next. we yep. don't even have no idea about. I'm going there next. You know, we don't have, we need jobs. We need employment. You know, we need uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, economic development to grow and, 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 and employment numbers to go up. But if you're living off of that tradition and some people are so comfortable with it, they don't even know that they're even inside of a, mm. something that's going against us, right. then you'll never know. You have to jump in the pot. You got to jump in the pot. You hit on something because I was going to go there next. <laughs> Manufacturing. We talk about mainstream, not just mainstream Erie, mainstream America. Yep. 
we were known for manufacturing. Yep. And one of the things, unfortunately, that has happened over time is we make little to nothing, it feels like, in comparison to America back in the day. And yes. so here you have this entrepreneur devoid of color. And it just so happens that he's a brother of color, a person of color. You have this entrepreneur who is manufacturing a product yep. that is succeeding. Give us an idea of the size and scope of your manufacturing goals, because you're right. What it represents potentially are jobs. Mm -hmm. What are your manufacturing goals here in Erie, Pennsylvania, and even abroad? Because it doesn't sound like you're limiting right. yourself to just the shores of Lake Erie. Uh, I have to tell you, first, we're proud that our product's made in America. That that's first and foremost. Um, uh, looking at the the you know the the foreign imports and just how screwed up the world is right now. You know, I'm just proud that I've been able and blessed to skill set a product that everything is done here in America. Yeah. Uh, and on a manufacturing uh, standpoint, like we really look forward to um, having other locations. Um, I don't know how to say. It. I'm trying to say. So we had a world figure. Yeah, I'll say it like this. We had a world figure come to my warehouse twice. Uh, ranked number 300 and something in the world in money. Uh, this company is real. They, 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 they're on. And this man looks at me because uh, he's asked me to protect his identity. And he looks at me and he says, man, this brought tears to me, uh, Marcus. He looks at me and he says, there's something about you. He said, I can tell you're a good guy. He said, and I've talked to a couple of my buddies and we want to help you. And, man, I started crying. I started crying, and, the, and then he had gave me some money before he left, but then uh, when he left, the magnitude and the power of what had just happened, I realized in a sense of manufacturing, one of the questions he asked me, um, you know, he's already thinking in a sense of, he looked outside of my window and said, oh, what's that building look like over there? Is that one empty? You know, he started asking he's me. starting to think about because that. Because he started thinking about a bigger way right. to make this thing. Right. And so from a manufacturing standpoint, and because of the, um, the, the cost efficiency, the low cost efficiency to create my, my product, mm. man, we're going to have a big time factory. Right. Uh, my, my major barrel employer has empty barrels by the thousands. By the thousands. I want all of them. <laughs> I want them all. But we are looking forward to uh, having manufacturing companies on the east coast, uh, in the middle of the country, and on west coast. Yeah. Especially down south where it don't snow. Of course. Yes. Right. Because when I look at the, the model, the make of your barrels and how they're designed, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got to get tickets to a couple of games this season. And the tailgate, as you know, is off the chain. Yes. We went to the Penn State whiteout game not too long ago. Oh, longest tailgate I've ever been to. Yes. A good friend of mine is a NASCAR fan, and he talks about the tailgates there are even more lethal than the tailgates for pro football. Yes. But when you think about these tailgates, the first thing I thought of when I saw your design is I said, man, I have seen every kind of grill under the sun at these tailgates. And I've never seen one like yeah. this. Let me let me that tell market you. alone. Yes. And, and now let's finish that statement. That market alone, sports. Yes, there have to be billions of dollars to be yes. made in yes. that market alone. You know, like if you were to order one of our um, stainless steel grills, this is a stainless steel fifty-five gallon barrel. You could get your vendor's license and push it up through town and sell food. It's that simple. Like you can actually do that with my grill. You can actually be a businessman, and, right? And then go hot and flip hot burgers, and you know what I mean. And so now your grill is a tool to someone else's yeah, success, potentially. You know, so that is so 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 cool. I hear you on. I just had to say that. Absolutely, absolutely. And so when you look at 
the because uh, even with them seeing something in you personally, that's one of the things I love about watching Shark Tank. Sometimes they'll love a product, yeah, and they'll want to buy it, and they want the the person who started it to walk away. Look, I love the product. I don't believe in you, right? And other times, it's the complete opposite. What they said about you. You know what? Yes, I'm so so on the product, but man, I am sold on you. Yes, and I'm gonna invest. Because I think you're the right person to grow this product. Yes. How did it feel? You said it made you cry. Yeah. What is it about that statement that made it you was cry? Like, it was like Shark Tank came. It felt like Shark Tank came to my warehouse. Here's somebody who qualifies to sit up there on that stage uh, with Mark Cuban and the rest of them. And he comes to my warehouse and uh, he speaks to me about his, uh, his vision and um, how much he, he believes. He told me he looked at me. This man looked at me and said, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't interested. He said that right out of his mouth. So it really made me feel so, so good to know that I've created a product that has grabbed the attention of, um, you know, somebody so powerful and somebody who can really, really um, get us out there. Right. So we take the average person who doesn't know Ben Primus, who doesn't know Ben's Barrels. They maybe have heard the name, have seen the name, or they don't know at all. Encapsulate what you want people to know about you, about your product. What should the listener and the viewer take away about Ben's Barrels? The first thing the listener needs to take away is that we put Jesus first. We put the Lord first. We know that we wouldn't have nothing without God. That's first and foremost is that, like, we're a ministry. Yeah, the world sees us as Ben's Barrels, and they see us as a company who makes cool cooking grills. But our number one uh, um our number one goal is to let people know that Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ saves lives. Jesus Christ is the way to go. That's first and foremost, period. I have scripture around my truck on all four sides of the truck. So that's the first thing I want people. And it's amazing, Marcus, because I could go to Mill Creek Mall or anywhere and come out the store and people are taking pictures of scripture on my truck. Mm. <laughs> and I get tickled off of that. But secondly, what I want people to know is uh, our ability to want to give back. You know, like we are just not only a company who manufactures cooking grills, but a humble man who has had a past and now has trying to create a really nice pathway in the future for himself that will benefit the world, not take away from the world. That's And that's thirdly what I want people to know the most. We want to give back. Mm -hmm. We want to be we want to be the company um, that is at a um, Seawolves game uh, doing a grill giveaway uh, in the seventh inning, which we've been invited to do uh, along with an otters game. But we want to be able just to give back, just to give back. I, you know, I look so forward to helping. I Sometimes I, I can't understand how there are selfish, wealthy people. I just I don't understand. Right. It. If you give me a million dollars. I already know it's my responsibility to give to some, give of, that some back. of that back. Yeah. So that's just that's what we that's the main three things that we want to be known by. Wow. I'm sure we want to be known by our product. We want to be known as Ben's Barrels. But it's bigger than this. It's bigger than a cooking grill. This is about the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is about Jesus Christ and what he's done for me in my life. And uh, and, and it has to come first um, on my invoices, on my business cards, everything. There will there'll always be something to honor. Honor Jesus Christ first. That's mm -hmm. just how it is. So let me say this for the benefit of the listener and the viewer, because that theme comes up often on this show. A lot of our guests say they say words very similar to that about why they do what they do in community and, and um, what they do in their conventional businesses. And I've got a lot of people who come to mind right now. And I just want to let the listener and the viewer know that that is not planned. 
If you're listening again and you're saying, oh, my goodness, somebody else is giving a shout out to the Lord. That is not a plan. Mm -mm. And I love the fact that whatever your spiritual ideology is, that there is um, this desire to give credit to that, mm-hmm. right? But I just wanted to let the, the, the listener and the viewer know that is not something planned by Marcus because it happens so often with our guests. I guess we just have a string of grateful guests, you know, to their Lord and Savior. And so thank you for putting that out there as well. You know, I could get in the truck and be leaving and and God would like tap me on my shoulder and say, look, you forgot to tell everybody about me. Oh, I ain't going through that. I ain't going through. Lord, I got you. I got you in on this. Right, right. right. And so when people want to know more about Ben's Barrows, how do they find out more? Sure. You can follow us on Facebook. Uh, that's where we're at right now. Our marketing strategy is nothing strong yet like we know we're going to have. You have to understand that I'm one person still by myself. Right. So I'm doing everything. I'm doing the advertisements, the commercials, the marketing, the, the uh, manufacturing. I'm a one-man band. And But if you're looking for us, check us out on Facebook under Ben's Barrels. Or you can email us. Um, Primus Benjamin lowercase 924 at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram as well. Uh, we're going to be extending uh, other places. Um, and pretty soon, you ain't going to have no other choice but to see my big old sign downtown Erie. So you'll you'll see a big old phone number there in our company colors as well. The people that are finding you as of right now, how do they find you most of the time? I think it's just by word of mouth or it's I have some customers that will tell me it's because the way I advertise on Facebook. I do a lot of strong advertising on Facebook. Yeah. And so um, and I think also my truck, it's a one of a kind. I designed it. And when it runs through town, I know there's not another one. I told my wife there's probably not another one on the planet. It's a one of a kind. Yeah. I mean, my truck is all over Erie. So a lot of people, I could be sitting at a red light and get a phone call and a customer will, will be right in back of me uh, because the number's on the back of the truck as well. And, yeah. and we're talking about barrel products. Mm. Yes. And so as we close, you meet someone and this person proceeds to tell you, you know, Ben, I've got an idea. I'm afraid to step out on it. I've been through things that I feel I can't necessarily overcome and I just don't know how to how to create my own reality. And I look at what you've done and look at what you're doing. And I'm encouraged by that. But I don't know if I could do it as well. What do you say to that person? Yeah, you have to take a risk. You have to, like, step out. Listen, community, you have to step outside your comfort zone and you have to take a risk. And, you know, and I'm talking in my situation, I have used bill money for the warehouse. And it's gotten to a point where I told my wife, we will be homeless out of a house before we're homeless out of a warehouse. <laughs> but you have to be willing to, like, uh, take a risk, go out on a limb, um, stay strong with your faith, uh, whatever it is that you believe in, and just realize that um, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you got. If a counselor told me this in the 80s, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So you're going to keep getting what you got community if you're still doing what you did the last 24 hours but if you're a dreamer like me and others go ahead and take a chance take it but look make sure it's a calling make sure you're called to do this and and just go in 100 and put all your faith in god that's what i do you know i go with my eyes closed and the lord pulls me out so ben primus from ben's barrel ben thank you so much for coming in and, and gifting us with your story and with your information on Marcus Atkinson. Uh, you can listen to us the fourth Sunday in the month at 91.3 FM or on w, WQLN site 
or on Facebook for that matter. Um, again, for next, I'm Marcus Atkinson, and we will see you next time. <laughs>